If you've been following the story of Nicodemus in your Bibles, you might like to leave the page open. If you are visiting, then you find us in the fifth week of a uh, sermon series on the early chapters of John's Gospel. And those of you who have been with us for the previous four will remember that our purpose in this series is to ask, who is this man, Jesus of Nazareth? Who is he? And John purpose is to very carefully organize his material in these early chapters to answer that question in different ways each week. And this morning we have the privilege of eavesdropping as somebody else, this wonderful character Nicodemus, gets to ask the question directly of Jesus. So first, a little bit about Nicodemus. Nicodemus is one of my favorite characters in the Gospels. You know, he isn't any old person. He's described as a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, or a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, Pharisees get pretty bad press uh, amongst the churches, and sometimes for very good reasons. But, you know, Pharisees in the first century were actually very respectable, very upstanding, very religious people. Nicodemus would have been a senior man in Jerusalem society, and he would have been basically a good man, a man that tried to do good, to please God, and to keep the Old Testament commandments. He was senior in society, and he was senior in religious circles as well. Today we might have called him Sir Nicodemus or even Bishop Nicodemus. And in verse 2 of chapter 3, Nicodemus begins with Rabbi. We know you're a teacher who's come from God because you couldn't have done these miracles unless God was with you. We know you're a teacher and we know you're a miracle worker. We know that God must have something to do with you being here. But did you notice that before he could even complete his question, there's no question mark in John 3, 2, Jesus jumps in to the answer. And over the next few minutes, we'll look at that answer from Jesus very carefully. Jesus says that unless someone is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not an obvious answer to the question that Nicodemus was asking. So Jesus, we know you're a teacher, we know from God, who are you? Unless someone is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God we'll all remember in the Gospels, is the realm of God's rule. It's the place and the time and the people through whom God is ruling. And that's a place that reaches its completion in heaven, in eternity. So to see the kingdom of God, Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. To see the kingdom of God 
if you like, is to see into where God is ruling. To be in the know as to what God's plans are. To have a place in the kingdom is to be assured of an eternity in heaven. Nicodemus knows that Jesus is a teacher. Nicodemus has seen, probably, and has heard of his miracles. But he doesn't understand who Jesus is because he doesn't see the kingdom of God. And he doesn't see, in fact, he cannot see, Jesus says, because he hasn't been born again. And for Nicodemus, who, remember, is a good man and an upright man and a senior member of society, it actually gets worse before it gets better. Because he doesn't actually understand what to be born again means. And you and I will know a lot of people in our own circles who don't understand what it means to be born again. Now, of course, in our modern society, we can find that language of born again to be very religiously charged. To our ears, born again can have overtones of religious fanaticism. So in the passage which James read, Jesus clarifies for us what it means to be born again. And I think it's important that we follow very carefully what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 5, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. To be born again, to see the kingdom, to enter into the place where God is ruling, to be part of God's plans for what he is doing, involves being born again, which Jesus says is of water and of the Spirit. So why born and why water and Spirit? If we're going to understand this morning what Jesus is teaching to Nicodemus and also to us. Well, of course, there are lots of avenues that we could go down when we think of being born. But the important one here for us to remember is that me being born has absolutely nothing to do with my own effort. All of us I can confidently assert at some time, have been born. And none of us were born because of our own effort. We were all born because of the effort of another. And so to be seeing the kingdom of God, to be assured of my place with him in all eternity, Jesus is saying here, is like being born. And it's like being born in the sense that it's something that God does for me, not something I can achieve for myself. 
Being born, of course, is the start of life. And so being born again is the start again of life. A new start, a second start. And Jesus using this phrase, meaning that this start again, my new start with God, is not anything I can do for myself. I can't make myself be born. I can only be born because of the work of another. So born again, but why born of water and of the Spirit? Anybody who's heard me preach more than once will know that the answer to most of these questions lies in the Old Testament. And um, this passage of Jesus is no different. And we shouldn't be surprised at that when we think of who Nicodemus is. So Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews and a Pharisee. And so Jesus takes him back to his point of reference. And the reference here to water and the Spirit is back to Ezekiel 36. Let me read for you Ezekiel 36 from verse 25. This is the prophet Ezekiel, but of course he's speaking the words of God, not of himself. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols... I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules." So sprinkling with water in Ezekiel 36 is a symbol of being made clean from all our sin, all our wrongdoing, all our idol worship. And having God's spirit in us, Ezekiel says, is like having a new heart. And in the Bible, the heart is the place where we make decisions. It's where our motivations come from. It's what drives us. And so Jesus is saying here that being born of water and of the Spirit is like being cleansed from all our wrongdoing and having a new heart. That which drives us, that which motivates us, is made new by God. Notice again, though, really, really important in this passage, who does all this? This is all done by God and not by ourselves. In Ezekiel, I will sprinkle water on you and you shall be clean, and I will put a new heart in you. Water is sprinkled on us. We don't, if you like, take our own shower and cleanse ourselves from our sin. A new heart is put in us. If we can't um, make ourselves be born, 
it's even more clear that we couldn't possibly put a new heart in ourselves. Not possible. If we're going to have a heart transplant, a real physical one or a spiritual one, that has to be done by another. That is not done by myself. So the kingdom of God, being in the kingdom of God, seeing the kingdom of God, having our place with God assured in eternity, is not a work that we can do ourselves. It is only a work which God himself can do for us. This is the key thing that Jesus wants to teach Nicodemus. It's the key thing that Jesus wants to teach us through this passage this morning. It's what Nicodemus doesn't understand. And isn't it what the world around us finds so difficult to get to grips with? A new start, a second start with God, is not something I can do for myself. It's something that only God can do for me. It's like being born. It's like having a new heart. Now, Ezekiel 36, of course, then, is a passage which Nicodemus, as a Pharisee and as a ruler of the Jews, should have known very, very well. The Pharisees knew their Old Testament much better than we do. So Jesus chastises Nicodemus, you're a leader of the Jews, and yet you don't understand this teaching. Jesus is teaching something that he really should have known. Being made clean by God as if sprinkling by water, having God's spirit put in us, changing our hearts. But then we come to, I think, what is actually a perfectly reasonable question on Nicodemus's part. How can these things be? How can it be that we are born again? How can it be that God makes us clean? How can it be that God changes our heart, our motivation, the thing inside us which makes our decisions? How can that happen? And now we get to understand where it is in the passage that Jesus reveals who he is. Jesus says towards the end that the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself, must be lifted up. The Son of Man must be lifted up. Now, lifted up is found three times in John, and always in John, lifted up is Jesus talking about his own crucifixion and resurrection. And you very quickly get to see the symbolism, the idea that he's lifted onto the cross, and then that he's raised again to new life. Jesus himself, in our passage, gives an Old Testament illustration from Numbers 21, but you've probably had enough Old Testament illustrations for one morning. The point is, Jesus says, how can this be? The answer to how can this be is that I must be lifted up. I must 
die on a Roman cross, I must be raised to new life. Being born again, being born of water and the Spirit, is a work of God. It's a work of God alone. Nicodemus doesn't quite understand yet. And Jesus goes on to say that that work of God alone is a work which he does in me alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Jesus jumps into an answer to Nicodemus, first of all to try and make him understand that his second start with God is a work that God alone can do. And then he answers this question, who is Jesus, by saying he is the one who does this work. He is the Son of God that does this work of a new birth. And he does it by being lifted up onto a Roman cross and then having been taken down again and buried by Nicodemus, if you remember the gospel story. He is raised to new life to complete that cleansing from sin and that insertion of a new heart within us. What does John 3, 1 to 15 and the encounter with Nicodemus say about who Jesus is? It says, first of all, that to be in God's kingdom, to see into God's eternity, to be assured of an eternity with him, is something we can't do for ourselves. Sir Nicodemus can't do it. Bishop Nicodemus can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. Only God can do it for us. And the way in which God does it for us is through the historic figure of Jesus of Nazareth, who is also the Son of God, who will be lifted up, he says, onto a cross, and then lifted up again to new life at the first Easter. I want to close there, but to say one thing, which is please come back next week. I mean, I always want you to come back next week, but there are two really special reasons that I want to, to come back next week. The first really special reason is sitting on the table here in front, which is that we have Kate and Sue Wise marriage blessing, and we're all looking forward to that, and please do come back for that. But please also come back, because we're going to finish the story of Nicodemus. Because you see, when Jesus has taught all this to Nicodemus, there are only two possible responses. When Jesus says that being put right with God and having new life, a second life with God, depends on a work of God, and that that work of God is done by Jesus himself on the cross, there are only two possible responses to that teaching. And next week, we're going to look at each one. So please do join us again for that.